This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. This is Intelligence Matters with former acting director of the CIA, Michael Morell. We have several shows working with the writer of The Spy, with Sasha Baron Cohen. It's intoxicating. You, you want that. You sort of need that. But on the other hand, cases like this can't go on forever. And if you, if you run a case until your source dies, you're also not an effective espionage service. This was an existential case. I mean, really, lives and national borders were riding on this. Sasha Baron Cohen really captures well sort of the essence of him trying to live two lives, two identities, two competing realities, and hold them in their head and operate at the same time. Extraordinarily difficult. John Cipher and Jerry O'Shea are former senior CIA operations officers. They are also the founders of Spycraft Entertainment, and they join us today to talk about the books, TV series, and movies that present the most realistic representations of CIA, intelligence, and espionage. We'll be right back with that discussion after a word from our sponsor. I'm Michael Morell, and this is Intelligence Matters. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. John, Jerry, it's great to have you on our show. John, you were on Intelligence Matters in its very early days, talking with us about Russia's interference in the 2016 election. 
So um, welcome back. Great to have you again. Thank you much. Um, Jerry, you are a first-time guest, so a very warm welcome to you as well. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. So guys, as you know, we're going to talk about the CIA, intelligence, and espionage in books, both fiction and nonfiction, and in TV series, and in the movies. And I can't count the number of times that I've been asked, you know, by any number of people, what can I watch? What can I read that will give me a good sense of what the CIA is really like, what intelligence is really like, what espionage is really like? Well, today we're going to answer those questions. And I can't think of two better people to do that with than the two of you not only because you were both terrific CIA operations officers, but also because you are the co-founders of a company called Spycraft Entertainment. That's really where I'd like to start. So John, Jerry, what is Spycraft Entertainment? What does the company do and why did you start it? John, why don't you go first and then Jerry can add. Well, sure. There's sort of a story of how we got started. But uh, when Jerry retired a couple, several years after I did, he was one of the great storytellers in the agency with a great experience in all kinds of crazy places. Uh, we had an in. Uh, in fact, you, you may remember at one point, uh, Rob Reiner called me out of the blue, and he was very upset after the Trump election about Russian interference and wanted to do a video series with General Hayden and myself. And so I was with a group of my former colleagues and was bragging about my Hollywood contacts. And one thing led to another, and we we started to go and, and, and talk to people in Hollywood about maybe doing some version of a sort of a Bourdain-like series where we travel around the world and tell old spy stories. And that, that morphed into actually creating a company where we would sort of work with Hollywood writers to try to bring real and realistic stories to Hollywood. So our, our real goal is to be the place where Hollywood can come if they're looking for a tie-in to the national security space or to the intelligence espionage space. And eventually, as we have success on the screen, a place where people like you and others who write books and have stories can come to get help in navigating Hollywood. Hollywood has been very good about sort of taking people's stories and, and not paying them very well for them. And so we want to be, you know, to get to the point where we're producers on stories. And so we have our own stories, we've optioned books, we work with a wide variety of writers to do feature films, streaming series, and even network TV. Jerry, you want to add? Yeah, Michael, as, as, when, as with any couple, when they're telling sort of the story of how they began, there's always sort of two different versions, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, version, the version I would like to try it out is the same as John's, but just a touch different. And actually, like so many good agency operations, it started in a bar and <laughs> at, a ba- at a back table over perhaps one too many drinks. And we were telling sort of the spy stories that agency officers, when we're amongst ourselves, actually tell, which, as you know well, aren't like car chase scenes or finding some exotic, beautiful person in your bed. In fact, it's, those things really don't happen. And the stories we tell are of, you know, of success, very often failure, of 
something that you worked really hard at that maybe worked out for reasons that it shouldn't have and sort of the the stories of the hunt and and the core of it really i think was was um ordinary people like the three of us on this call being asked to do extraordinary things and occasionally getting away with it right occasionally pulling it off but operating right on the very sort of blurry edge of you know, right and wrong and, and, and doable and not doable, also with a high and fascinating failure rate. And the things that Hollywood doesn't get, one of them is sort of that human element, that element of, of absurdity and what it's really like, right? And so we wanted to bring that as well. So that's a, a bit of color to what John was saying. Okay, guys, for the rest of the show, except at the very end, I'm going to throw out titles of books, TV series, movies, and I want to get your take on them as entertainment, if that's what you want to do, but more importantly, as as realistic portrayals into the business of intelligence. And I want to start with the three most obvious candidates because they may well be the most popular. So, and I want to put them together for reasons you'll understand in, in literally five seconds. The James Bond films, the Jason Bourne films, and the Mission Impossible films. The Bond films were inspired, as you guys know, by the fictional work of Ian Fleming, the Bourne movies by the novels of Robert Ludlum, and Mission Impossible by the 1960s, 1970s TV series of the same name. Only one of those is about CIA, the Bourne films. You know, the Bond films are about the British Secret Intelligence Service. Mission Impossible films are about an organization that does not really exist called the Impossible Mission Force. But what's your take on those three incredibly popular sets of films? Jerry, you go first this time. Ah, well, first, just a, 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 a slight detour into history. Mission Impossible, at least the initial TV show, was based off the writings of someone named Mayhew. I did not know that. Was a disgraced agency officer. Really? Didn't know that. Mayhew and Fleming both understood the business. And I think what they do capture, along with, with, with Bourne, is the occasional, sort of the tip of the iceberg, the times when things really are exciting, when they are high stakes, and when it is do or die and, 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 and very meaningful. Um, what it misses, of course, is the other 99% that is also meaningful as well. But I think it does capture that, that sense of excitement that we sometimes feel. John? Sure. You know, one of the things about a lot of shows that are meant to show espionage or work in the intelligence field is, you know, they're often too high stress, too serious. Everything is taken, you know, as, 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 as live or die. And, and frankly, Michael, as you know, and Jerry, as you know, is, is, is people don't operate that way. You can't operate that way. Sure, the work is important. Sure, the work actually does involve you know, national security and important issues. But, you know, it is also fun and farcical and all kinds of crazy things happen. And you have to often keep a light sense of humor to deal with things. And so, you know, so many Hollywood films, like the ones you mentioned, are often put into the category of action films. So they have car chases and kill teams and all have rogue agents and and murders. Whereas I think realistic, more realistic, you know, 
portrayals are one sort of a little more like Le Carre or there's some other novelists, you know, Jason Matthews, David McCluskey, uh, Charles McCary, others who have experience in working in CIA and other intelligence services that, could, that tell the stories in a more nuanced way, you know, and frankly, this is where Hollywood shines. The You know, Hollywood writer wants to deal with human relationships, the human factor, flawed individuals placed in, you know, tough situations, you know, dealing with trust, betrayal, ego, manipulation, all of these kind of things, rather than just sort of constant action. And so that's that's the sweet spot that we're trying to hit. Okay, guys, what about two other very popular takes on intelligence, Homeland and The Americans? Um, both are TV series. Homeland is about the CIA, but it was adapted, I believe, from an Israeli TV series about Israeli intelligence. And The Americans is about the KGB. Um, what's your take on those two? John, your turn to go first, and then Jerry. Uh, sure. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, shows, whether they're movies or, or streaming series, they, ha- they have to be interesting. They have to have characters that you care about. And I think Homeland did a, a good job with that in terms of making a character that was sort of interesting and, and different and, and engaged the audience. And, but some of the stories are obviously farcical. You know, there's killings in the streets of America and all sorts of crazy things. But, uh, you know, some of the feel, for example, when Kerry was in Pakistan and places like that, for someone who worked in those kind of places like Jerry and I did, there is sort of, it did sort of feel right, those, you know, the places that they set them in. Um, in fact, Jerry and I work with the writer of the original Israeli homeland, Giddy Roth, who did the the spy with Sasha Baron Cohen, and we're working on some shows shows with him. And then with the Americans, it's interesting for me because I spent a lot of my career in Moscow and working on Russian operations and counterespionage with the FBI and others. And the Americans are interesting because it deals with this sort of unique thing that the Russians have called the illegals, people yeah. who are under such deep cover they're not even you know, Russians, they're meant to be Canadians or Finns or Swedes or South Americans who are, are actually Russian intelligence officers living amongst us. And the thing the Americans did, which I really enjoyed, is sort of that the sense of tradecraft, of cover, of of sort of operating always, you know, in, a, in an enemy environment. And I think they did a, a nice job there. But again, the same thing is they added so much sort of killing and car chases and things that sort of got away from reality. But again, both of them are, are have really good writing and good characters that engage the audience. Yeah. Jerry? Yeah, I agree with John. And I think what's, the, what's really compelling about the two that you've got here is that they both have got interesting, flawed characters. And I think that people can sort of relate to that. And as an agency officer, too, I can relate to that. I can relate to those characters fictitiously flawed as they are in a lot of ways more, and I think most agency officers do, than a James Bond who really doesn't have those flaws. So those the, the Superman syndrome. And I think people are drawn to, and Hollywood does well with, talking to, talking to people in extraordinarily difficult situations who are real and the kind of people that populate their world. And so like, when I'm asked those questions, Michael, that you started out with, like, which one encapsulate like the real CIA or the real world of espionage best? My general answer is, is none of them get it all right, but all the ones we're mentioning here get a piece of it right. And I think these two do as well. You know, one of that strikes me is one of the things that Homeland gets right is Carrie's passion, right, for the mission. 
um, that defines nearly every agency officer, right, is that passion for getting the job done, and, and that's her defining characteristic. Absolutely. Guys, the next on my list are Argo and Zero Dark Thirty. Both are films that are based on actual events. Argo was adapted from the nonfiction books of Tony Mendez, a legendary CIA technical operations officer and the main character in the film. And Zero Dark Thirty literally went from the actual events to a screenplay within a matter of weeks of the bin Laden operation. Jerry, let's start with you with these two. Yeah. There's a, a term I hear used from time to time. It's true fiction. And, and I think both of these fall into that in that they are true. They're, it's a fictionalized truth and one blends into the other. And I think both of them create something sort of both greater and lesser than the actual facts, that if you were to do this as a documentary, right? And so both of these, I think, are creating myths, and I don't mean that in a bad sense. They're creating sort of a myth as to what happened both with the bin Laden issue and then with what happened in, in Tehran. And so I enjoyed both of them enormously, and I think they both come close in their own ways to, to getting it right, even though the facts, which we all know, are sort of mixed and matched and slightly airbrushed a little bit. Yeah. John, how about you? Yeah, it's, they're interesting to me in the sense of, of, you know, now that we're learning a little bit about this industry as we, as we deal with Hollywood writers and producers and such. And what's interesting, Argo was actually a studies and intelligence article. It was an article in the Inside CIA sort of journal that uh, got an outside interest. And it frankly, it took like eight to 12, 10 years for it to get made. And that's one of the things we're finding is just Hollywood o- operates on a different time schedule and things, you know, take a long time to get all the pieces together to get the right, you know, writer to get the right people who want to act in the thing and, and directors and people to get things made. But I think Argo did a, a, did a nice job of taking a CIA case and, and portraying it in sort of a realistic but still sort of humorous way. That One thing they did when I said earlier, a lot of these shows are, are too serious, too much action. I think Argo gets that mix right where it's still, you know, it's serious business, but it, it's it's lighthearted from time to time. And and Zero Dark Thirty, I think, was originally they were starting to write about the Khalid Sheikh Mohammed case when, of course, when bin Laden was captured and it sort of morphed over to be more about the about the bin Laden raid. And I thought it was it was OK, but it, they, I think they tried to smoosh so much stuff into a feature film. It, it might have been better as a as a streaming series. And that's one thing that's sort of new in the last 10, 15 years of Hollywood, too, is in, in the old days. You know, you had one way to tell a complicated story. It was in a two or three hour movie, whereas now, obviously, you can draw that out into, you know, an eight to 10 episode series and, t- and, t- and tell it in a longer way. And so I think there, there's a lot around the the effort to get bin Laden about uh, the counterterrorism operations that could have been told in, in a longer way, I think. So how do you decide, as filmmakers, how do you decide whether to do something as a two-hour movie or as a, you know, a 10-episode series? What does that depend on? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. There, there's a whole sort of different industry for each. There's there's people who have better ex- experience with them. There's writers that have more experience in, their, in them. 
a, a series has a thing called a showrunner who is almost like a you know chief of station who is sort of in charge of the general look and feel of the show, and then recruiting writers to work in a writer's room and and then divvying up you know which writers write which episodes and then making sure it all holds together. Whereas with a feature film, you tend to have one one writer who's at least the main writer. Sometimes someone might come in to edit it and fix it up some, but so so they're sort of different animals, and you almost have to decide that early on as you find interested partners writers or directors or producers to do things and and i you know there's some stories that just you need the time to to, to draw them out and there's others that you know sort of can be told in a, in a much tighter window yeah jerry anything you want to add there yeah far be it for me to agree with john but i think he's got <laughs> that exactly right you know there's sort of like I mean, the reality is just sort of three aspects to it. You know, one is the artistic aspect. You know, wh- how long to, to take whatever the the plot is, can you tell it best in 10 hours or can you tell it best in an hour and a half or two, right? And so that's one question. You know, I think the other is, is there's different financial incentives inside of the industry for for how you tell it. and um, And one is also on talent. When you've got a, the acting that the, the the actors, it's much easier to get somebody to sit down and especially a big actor to sit down for a, a two hour feature than to look at like 10 hours that can take much longer. It's much more of a commitment to make. So there's, there's a lot of factors in, in, in that. And with Zero Dark Thirty, I'll say, and Michael, you know better than anybody, there was so much inside baseball in there that they never really touched on. They sort of lightly sort of mentioned it and moved on, they could have easily made that into 10 hours. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Then we'll be right back with more of our discussion with John and Jerry. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. John, I think you wanted to add a point to the discussion here about uh, uh, movies versus TV series. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think a lot of writers are, are are liking the idea of of writing longer streaming series, although there's you know sort of downsides for them in terms of how long it takes. But a good example for me is is the movie the the Good Shepherd, which was with Robert De Niro years ago, and it was an effort to talk about the early days of the CIA. You know, a lot of really big, interesting characters. There was a counterintelligence chief, uh, Angleton, and there was a, there was mole hunts and all these things. And it was sort of squeezed into a two and a half hour movie. And the movie, you know, failed on a lot of fronts. And, and I think it's almost that there was just too much content 
for 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 a feature film. Whereas I think on a streaming series, you could take those bigger than life characters, you can take those bigger than life historical issues they were dealing with, and pull it out into you know a longer, you know, single season or even multi season story, and and tell that more effectively. Yeah, let me ask you guys about one particular moment in Argo that's always stuck with me. So the main character, right, is with the is with the hostages who have escaped and they're in the home of the Canadian ambassador and and the main character is an alias, right? It's not his true name, but he has to earn the trust of these hostages for them to follow him, right? To follow him out. And so he breaks alias and he tells them his true name. And I always found that to be a profound moment in that movie. I just want to get your take on it, whoever wants to go. Sure, I'll do quick on that. I mean, I think the thing that you you have to most understand when you're you're dealing with humans, when you're dealing in human intelligence, the relationship between a source and a handler or someone that you're trying to get to do something for you is sort of no different than any than anybody else you have to build trust and you have to build a relationship and you, you can't just tell people things to do in in our business just like any other business and so i think that was a very good way of showing how you have to show some vulnerability sometimes sometimes you have to put yourself out there you have to put some risk for you so that others can see that so that they can develop a sense of trust and and you know it's a, it's an odd business because we're dealing with you know big issues and 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 you know there's parts related to you know undercover or betrayal or things you're trying to do you, you know sometimes you have to use people and, and manipulate relationships but you're not successful unless you're able to build those human relationships and human relationships are built on trust yeah jerry anything to add there yeah i think that is really what you and John have hit on is really a central issue, I think, to what you started asking, which is what does Hollywood not get right? And I think one place that they get it almost unerringly wrong, with the exception of maybe La Carre, is the intimacy of the art of, of, of espionage. It is arguably one of the most intimate relationships between two human beings you know, outside of romance or anything like that. This is something where absolute trust between people is is extraordinarily necessary to to stay alive and to to do sort of what you what you need to. Let me just one quick anecdote. I mean, what people don't understand and not seen in Hollywood is there was a particular person in in in, in, in a country I was in, and his his raison d'etre of his country was a a very orthodox, violent view of the religion that they had. And we, we started to become close. And eventually, in a long car ride, and I'm sort of wondering why he's talking to me, he, he asked something that was really sort of gnawing at his soul. And the question was, do you think there's a God? And And, you know, he wanted to know the answer. And it turns out, he wasn't certain. So if you just think at four in the morning, he gets up and he prays and he looks at his wife and he thinks, is she faking it? And he's with his parents and he's with, with his coworkers and he's wondering, am I the only one? And so this was his 
this was his chance to have a father confessor, a friend, someone he could talk to, someone he could talk to about something that he couldn't even talk to his his wife whom he loved about. And that interaction between the case office and the agent isn't manipulative at all, but it is really deep. And your point about Argo touches on that. Yeah, it is an amazingly human business, isn't it? Okay, guys, let me let me throw out some TV series here, and whoever wants to go first, just jump right in, but just give me your sense for what you think about it. And the first is is one that I like a lot called The Bureau. It's a series about a French intelligence officer. That's a softball one. I love it. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's great. I'll let John continue to rave about it. <laughs> no, I think the, the Bureau is interesting because I think the DGSE, the French service, actually worked with the, the writers and producers of, of that show, which, which is interesting. They, they found that that actually helps their service as they operate around the world. And I agree with the two. They, they did a nice job of getting the bureaucratic interplay. There's scenes in Paris, in their headquarters, and how headquarters operates with the people that are at the far end in the field. And they got a lot of details right in a lot of places, you know, where the French service operates in Syria and in Russia and other places. And so, you know, I think it's one of the shows that is more realistic than any other. And I think they did a very good job, in my opinion. And then another is The Spy, about an Israeli intelligence operation. Yeah, as I mentioned before, we we work with the writer of... We have several shows working with the writer of The Spy, with Sasha Baron Cohen. And I think that is also an intense thing. And what that points out is just, they had... The Israelis had a spy in place in Syria that was collecting information that was of grave importance to sort of the the, the success of, of Israel. And, and he got more and more into sort of a dangerous and precarious position. And, and I think that the show does a good job of explaining that tension of, of policymakers and people in Tel Aviv wanting more and more and trying to push this person, this source, to get greater and greater granularity of information, where is the guy on the ground getting himself closer and closer to danger? And where is that line? At what point, if you're running spy cases, do you actually stop? When do you pull back? When when is it a point where you've gotten enough? And, and that's a difficult issue. You know, people, once they're getting information that they can't get any other way, it's it's intoxicating. You You want that. You sort of need that. But on the other hand, Cases like this can't go on forever, and if you, if you run a case until your source dies, you are also not an effective espionage service. Yeah, Jerry, you want to add anything? It was, you know, this was an existential case. This, I mean, really, lives and and national borders were were, were riding on this. So the moral dilemma of when to like put a stop to this case is one a one. I think they got right, and the other thing I think they've got right is the difficulty that human beings have having second identity. So, I mean, I've operated an alias, but nothing like this. But I think, you know, the in the Sasha Baron Cohen really captures well sort of the essence of him trying to live two lives. And I think, you know, when he was a Syrian official, in a lot of ways, he really was. He could switch his brain around to do that, although he always knew he was really at the end of it. And I think that is a, a fascinating look at, at 
people's ability to to take two identities, two competing realities, and hold them in their head and operate at the same time. Extraordinarily difficult. We're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back with more Intelligence Matters. Stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Guys, The Little Drummer Girl, you know, a book by John le Carre, a movie and a TV series. What's your sense of that? I saw that before I joined the agency. I'll just I'll jump in. And what I love about that and what I think it gets right is that there are no or very few very clear lines in the intelligence world. And I think, you know, she sees two different truths, two different causes, and I think she understands both and is, you know, it is it is influenced by both. Although at the end of the day, she has to pick one over the other. And that moral dilemma and moral dilemmas in general that we as agency officers dealt with, um, I think, is one of the real things that keeps the espionage genre of of interest to a greater public. And, And as a former espionage officer myself, it was something that we always struggled with and and that I still look back on. I think I got it right. Sure. And, and, and sort of like the Bureau, too, one of the things that the Little Drummer Girl did well is it got the headquarters piece of it. It got the sort of behind-the-scenes piece of it, the amount of planning and detailed rehearsal and trying to you know, make sure that people had the right covers and background and p- plan ahead. And those things, I think, it captured pretty pretty well, too. It got the tension, right, too, between the field and headquarters. Tension? What are you talking about? There was no tension. Between- <laughs> the field was always right, Mike. Didn't Healthy you know? tension. Healthy tension. Okay. Healthy tension. You know, interestingly, we haven't talked about a lot of books here. In fact, we haven't talked about any books about analysts, and I think for obvious reasons. But one that comes close, and I know it's not analysts, but it's close, and I want to get your take on it, is The Assets, about CIA spy catchers. The work is inherently analytic. Can you talk about the assets, which I think is an amazing series? I don't think I've seen it. What? Tell me more about. It's about the two counterintelligence officers who piece together that Rick Ames is is a spy for the Russians. Ah, uh, interesting. Well, I know that I know the issue in the case and and books about that quite well. In fact, I was in Moscow when Rick Ames was arrested, and and I worked on counterespionage investigations with our. Russia House and counterintelligence officials in the FBI. 
And I, I think exactly, you know, I found a place where I work cl- most closely with analysts was in, in counterintelligence realm because it takes that sort of meticulous planning. It takes a lot of, you know, digging through and, and history and experience and really, really is, is important to understanding these issues and, 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 and catching spies. And so I'm, I'm eager to watch that, for an example. And there's some other books that talk about analysts, right? Kai Bird wrote a book about Robert Ames who, right. and, and in Lebanon. And there's people, obviously, academics who write about the agency, Robert Jervis, on why intelligence fails. David Prius wrote a book about, about the President's Book of Secrets, these type of things. And so, I mean, I think authors and, and Hollywood people need to do a better job of sort of incorporating how important the analytic piece is to the overall intelligence mission. Jerry, did you know the assets? Have you seen it? I'm afraid I don't, and I'm ashamed to say. But I will say that Three Days of the Condor while not particularly tr- while not particularly reflecting truth, I think was a, a great film with Robert Redford as a as an analyst. So I am so excited that I have told that I have given you guys something for, that that you two can go watch. I think that's really cool. I'm really happy about that. <laughs> well, one of the things that's interesting when we first started going out to Hollywood, as you can imagine, like you've seen pictures shows about Hollywood, everybody wants to say this is like Argo meets something or other, and. At first, we'd go out there and people would be talking about shows and movies. And, and Jerry and I had essentially spent 30 years living overseas. And so we were like way by people would bring up these shows about is your is your show like this one? And we would be looking yeah. at each other sort of dumbfounded, having to admit like we've never watched any of these things that we're talking about. We're <laughs> I getting was better. in Zimbabwe when that aired. Yeah, we didn't have it in Zimbabwe. <laughs> Let me ask you guys about two nonfiction books, Ghost Wars and Billion Dollar Spy. Yeah, let me start there because I think those are both excellent books. I think Ghost Wars is probably the best contextualizing background of the lead into the war on terror and what happened in 9-11 and Al-Qaeda. I think it does a really fine job of explaining that background and bin Laden and and other things. And um, The Billion Dollar Spy is really good about uh, explaining the kind of work that takes place in a place like Moscow where... The counter espionage service, the you know their version of the FBI that tries to stop CIA collecting intelligence and collecting information overseas, is very very aggressive. And so how how to plan to meet a source? You might plan literally months to meet a source for one or two minutes in a dark alley to exchange information or money or or what have you. It was it's a story about. Um, Adolf Tolkachev, who was a Soviet military electronics engineer. And to give a sense about the things we were talking about earlier, Michael, about how intense that relationship can be. The people who met him met him literally for minutes at a time, but the intensity was there. He was so engaged in trying to destroy the Soviet system, he wanted to pass the most damaging information he could to the United States. So much so that he insisted on having a suicide pill. And you know, there was a lot of back and forth with him in writing and, and, and dealing with him, trying to talk him out of that. But he insisted he understood what would happen if he was caught. And as the case went on and he continued to work with the CIA, it became clearer and clearer that, that, that people were sort of, if not onto him, they were looking for a spy, a mole in that area. So much so that every time he would get called in by his boss into his boss's office, he would take this, he would take this, uh, spy pill this this suicide pill and put it in his mouth between his cheek and gums to walk in to see his boss worried that this is the time he was going to be caught and he would have to kill himself 
And then his boss would, you know, tell him to do something normal and he'd walk back out. He'd take the suicide pill back out, put it away for next time. So you can imagine the intensity of when, when you have that final time, that, that two, three minutes where you're going to meet your CIA handler, the intensity of that relationship, how important it is to that person to, to get information to the Americans and to defeat the Soviets. So guys, finally, what, what did I miss here, right? What are the, the one or two movies or TV series that we did not talk about that you would recommend to our listeners? Jerry, you want to go first? Yeah. And, and let me just handle that. Just Michael, your question, just a little different. The, the two things that, it, that, that Hollywood doesn't get is one is the work of the analyst, right? That, that, that you talked about and what CIA guys don't get right about the films is most people don't want to hear about the case or its importance or the stakes. They want to hear about the characters. And so getting the characters and the stakes, putting them together just right is, is so important. And both sides struggle to get that right. Agency guys don't understand how to be, build characters. If Were I to brief you in, in, if I could just riff just for a second, Michael, when I briefed you in Anbar province outside Fallujah, on the overlooking, overlooking uh, Al Qaeda lines with possible snipers in the area, you know, it was all about here's what's going on and not about the people. And we, Jerry, as what I remember was ball. it was raining and it was really cold. That's what I remember. I would, yeah, it was raining and it was really cold, and the map melted. It was just, it's <laughs> the map <laughs> melted literally, man. <laughs> John, what would you what would you recommend to our listeners? Well, that's exactly where we got into this business. Is we want to try to create movies that that give a real feel of the kind of work we do. And frankly, I have to say it's kind of hard because. You know, so many of the people in Hollywood are, are, are younger and there's a, this aversion sometimes to period. They call it what they call period pieces, but there's so many stories. I mean, even just, you know, we talked about the early years of the CIA and the kind of people that, that you know, were trying to fend off the Soviets and fend off World War III at the time. There's just, there's just a plethora of stories and then that I think can get made into movies. And so what we're trying to do now is work on some stories, you know, of issues we've been involved with or books that we found particularly interesting, you know, uh, to get those made into movies. And as we do that and get more, uh, sort of our brand pushed forward, we'll have a better, easier to try to pull back some of the older stories and get them made. So, so let me just ask one more question, guys, since it, you sparked this um, in my mind. You know, the analysts you know, are really good, right? They have they have a tremendous amount of expertise, but they can only take an issue so far. And what they really need, right, to fully understand an issue and give the policymakers what they need is that is the are those secrets, right? That the adversary is trying to keep from us. And human intelligence is a big part of acquiring those secrets. And I just wonder how you think we're doing on that front? You know, have we have we lost something over the past 40, 50 years, or even over the past, the last 20, right, because of the war on terror? You know, are you worried at all about where we are with our capabilities of, of recruiting other human beings to provide information to the United States that we need to keep us safe? John, you want to go first? I think, you know, Hollywood has in many ways defined, you know, what intelligence is. And oftentimes it focuses on the kind of jobs that Jerry and I did in the field, you know, the, the human espionage part of it. But frankly, the human piece, the human espionage 
part is essentially a very, very smart of a much larger intelligence picture. Uh, you know, we're, we're value add. You know, if, if the U.S. can't get information any other way, then we will try to steal it. But there's ways of stealing it that isn't just having a spy, a source in place. Right. If we can do that, that's wonderful. But those are, you know, small pieces that may go deep and they may, you know, prove themselves critical but there's also as you as you well know the NSA technical collection you know expertise academics diplomats all this stuff sort of pulls has has to pull together and frankly our business of running spies is getting harder you know there's the technology that's out there the cameras on the street the quantum uh, sort of computing and these things make it make it harder in, in the past for example if i had a source and we met briefly, you know, on the street in an alley somewhere, or we were sending messages over some sort of encrypted secret communications. That's great. But now I have to worry that my, when I told that source, the one thing I'm going to do is protect them for the rest of their lives and the rest of my life. Can I say that anymore when there might be a way now that computing is getting to a point that it can go back and find messages from 5, 10, 15 years ago and, and maybe break those messages, decrypt them? And we will never know if, if the person is safe one day and not safe the next day what it was that made that happen or cameras on the street. If I'm meeting someone, I have to know with 100% assurance that nobody is watching that, nobody is seeing that, that meeting. And that's getting harder and harder to do. Yeah. Jerry? Yeah, taking a different tack, my last chief in Baghdad, and I have to say, the young women and men who worked for me in the agency there, on-site, analysts, case officers, reports officers, security officers, these were people who I was in awe of, these young people. They were taking pay cuts, working 18 hours a day under dangerous and difficult circumstances, and yet what I saw was really some of what this country can produce, some of our, our very best people who could and wanted to sacrifice people of enormous talent. And so I'm positive about you know the people coming into the agency and taking on those challenges. We really are getting great people. And the second is what's going on in Ukraine. I think that really brings into stark contrast that that there is evil in this world. There is there is authoritarian, dangerous countries and ideologies and leaders out there. And I think people do realize that the agency does play a critical role in revealing plans and intentions of dangerous adversaries who, who, who are at completely at odds with the ideals of what our country stands for. Jerry, that is a that that's a great way to end here. Jerry, John, thank you so much for joining us. Terrific discussion, and good luck with Spycraft Entertainment. Thank Thanks you. a lot, Michael. That was John Seifer and Jerry O'Shea. I'm Michael Morell. Please join us next week for another episode of Intelligence Matters. Intelligence Matters is produced by Olivia Gassis, Jamie Benson, Paulina Smolinski, and Reggie Bazile. For more from this week's show, visit cbsnews.com. Intelligence Matters is a production of CBS News. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented... They'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. 
Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.